Hey, babe. Hello, all, and welcome to the Affluent Marriage Podcast. You're listening to one financial coach and one educator talk about living a rich and full marriage through generational wealth building principles, authentic two way communication strategies, and everything in between to become a couple that lives in love and walks in wealth. Your legacy begins here. <laughs> That's nice. You're getting really good at that. You know, it's only episode two, but yeah. I feel like I've really gotten that memorized pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it's probably by episode three. I won't even have to you look at the to notes or it. anything. It'll just be, it'll be right there. I'm feeling good. How, good. how are you doing today, babe? You know, it's good. I feel like really good. Uh, last episode one was so good. Um, and I feel like there was a lot of stuff that was brought up and I I'm just, I, I can't wait to hear what everyone's thinking about it. At this point, we've only had like the trailer and stuff out, um, but we've already gotten really good feedback from it. So I'm excited for when this episode finally airs. Right. Cause by the time this airs, we people are going to have a good batch trailer out for and you. teaser and all that. So yeah, it's yeah. exciting that these yeah. things are happening right now. Yep. Um, so, you know, too. me personally, I had a great weekend. You know, we had family movie night on Friday. We yeah, watched we The Cinderella. Now, I, I feel like this is a very conversational podcast, okay. uh, but this this is not up for debate. Can you yeah. tell everyone what The Cinderella is? Oh, Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, but the Whitney Houston and Brandy version. Yes. The ABC on TV Disney original version. There's no other option. There's That's, no other It's not option. debatable. Like, it's, when I think about the beauty of that movie, I remember when it came out. Do you remember when it came out on TV? No, because I think you introduced me to it about two months ago. Okay. No, it was like years and years ago. And because Disney Plus came out and I was like, oh my God, it's there. And I think I had it on DVD or like bought it or something like that. But anyway, it is like the best like representation. I loved the multi multicultural families and blended. Like there was no, everybody was just absolutely beautiful in that movie. And I remember as like, I don't even know how old I was, probably like 13 or something watching that movie and going, oh my gosh, like this is such a beautiful representation of the world. I love this movie so much. Can I tell you a secret and that I've amazing. never, I've never told you. Um, oh no. So this is like I love this. breaking news. <laughs> oh, um, I remember that you told me that this was a movie that you would watch with your father and you guys would like dance and sing and he knew the lyrics and such. My dad. Yes, he did. Okay. He did. He did. Well, I hope so because when you first introduced me to this film, can I tell you that like I looked up the lyrics to the songs and like I took time to like play them over and over and I memorized them so that if we watch it together and you were ever like with me, like I don't know, like I would sing it to you. Stop it. I you did. really did? I did. Oh my god. I am terrible <laughs> at lyrics. So the fact that I could like when it comes up, 10 minutes ago, I saw you. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I memorized that for you. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. I love that movie. I, and I love the song. I know that you love it. So I did that for you. That was so sweet, baby. Wow. I feel like we're just learning, like, again, this is like an archive for me, right? Yeah, or, or like a. Dedication to you, right? I know. Stop it. Dude, you're going to make me look like such a like jerk. I'm like, oh, I didn't do that for you. <laughs> I learned. About basketball. Did you? I know what a layup is. There you go. So that was Friday. <laughs> Saturday, um, we celebrated your nephew's 21st without alcohol. Um, we, we, we went bowling. We went bowling. It was a good time. It was. We tried to wrangle our kids the whole time. It was, it was not a ton fun. of fun. Actually, it was not fun for the kids. The kids kids make... That, that was not... I feel like... So Daniel and I used to be on bowling leagues 
Fun Lame. fact, 200 Lame. average right here. I'm legit. I think my highest was probably like almost. You you broke a 200. I broke a 200 it was a on couple the times. I've, I, yes, it was. It was actually a two. No, it was a 200. I think it was 280. 280. 200, 200, 200, 200, 220, 220. It was around 220. Okay. Anyway, so when I was in high school, I did a bowling league. It was fun times. I did it with my mom. It was a cute thing. And then he did it also, like it was our church uh, with all the men. And then you still do it now with your colleagues or, you know, we're doing it with your colleagues or whatever. So we have our own bowling balls and bowling shoes. Yes, it is nerdy, but we know how to throw down when it comes to going to the lanes, right? But it's been a minute. So when the kids were there, I was like really trying to like get into my zone and like whatever. And my parents with their ball and their shoes, my nephew has ball. Like it, it's, it's a family thing. My kids were not letting me shine. <laughs> No, they, they were, were not. They were so, they were intense. You know what's exciting is I just realized your father is a preacher and oftentimes he uses you in his sermons, correct? Oh, yes, and all the time. I feel like you get to bash your dad right now. Oh, Can you sure. tell the yes. world yes. Oh, what he used moment. to say to you this as a child I don't even know where at to the look. bowling alley? Should I look here or B-roll? I don't know. Like One eye on each. Okay. When I each, so my dad always talks about me on the pulpit and I never get a chance to get my say, this is my platform to do it. Mm. Okay. My dad would take me to the bowling alley uh, when I was younger. This is yes. before I was on um, leagues and stuff. And I would be so excited and he'd be practicing and I'd be wanting to bowl and I would get gutter balls all the time. Like Preach. just horrible. And he would be like, Kim, don't be a waste of money. Like you, if you're not going to hit a pin, we're going home. <laughs> I'm not putting up bumpers for you. I need you to focus. <laughs> I need you to get a pin down. I love and it. I will never forget that. So yesterday I was messing with him because I was just I like, it. oh, look, dad, I got more pins down this time. I'm not a waste of money. <laughs> what a foundational moment in your life that just made you the business savvy entrepreneur that you are today. It was it was the thing I mean, that made me me. <laughs> all right. I love you, dad. <laughs> so it is pod two. Yeah. Of our six podcast series, whatever you want to call it, on yeah. the book, We Should All Be Millionaires. Last pod, we debunked a myth that has been plaguing women since like... Forever. The beginning of time. Beginning of time. Yeah. Um, but we also questioned what you're doing to develop your wealth knowledge. Correct. And we talked about what your greatest asset is in building wealth. So if you missed that episode, I you need to go back. You, I it's a good you, conversation. Go back and watch episode one to find out what all that is. It, it is an invaluable listen. So don't be uninformed. Just do it. Make just your dreams come true. Just do it. That's right. Shia LaBeouf. That's right. So are you guys ready for <laughs> takeaway two? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, Take do away, it. let's go. Let's go. Takeaway two from we, we should all be millionaires is... If, Rachel says, uh-huh. oh, building wealth is about creating multiple streams of income, including passive income Ooh. from investments and assets. Oh, this is going to be a hot one. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot that we could dive into here. And oh, I, I could go one. from a lot of different angles and I think I know where I'm going to start, but I just, um, yeah. let me start with this. Do you agree that wealth building is about creating multiple streams of income? And, 100%. All right. Podcast is over. That is it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> thank you for listening. We agree with Rachel. Yes. No. Okay. Um, I want to go from here. In, you know, you are KG millionaire coach, right? Yes. 
And something that you talk about a lot is the millionaire flex. Oh, yes. I love millionaire flex. So can uh-huh. you elaborate for the people listening? What do you mean when you tell people they have like a flex or like mm-hmm. what's your millionaire flex? So this is good. Even in marriages or whatever, like, because I know we're talking about like communication with your spouse when it comes to finances, but also in your own, like so I'm speaking to the female entrepreneur that might be listening to this, right? Um, when we're talking about millionaire flexes, these are the little things that we're doing that might seem a little bit like wonky right now, but we know that they're going to have huge dividends in the future. So giving you an example is going on a cash budget for your groceries, right? So saying that every single two weeks, we're going to take out 400 bucks. I'm using ours as an example, because it just is something that's so concrete. $400 every single month, that's what you use to go eat, go out to eat. That's what you use to get groceries. That's what you use for any of those other stuff, right? So when you when you give yourself that allowance and say, this is all we're doing for this, and anything that normally would have gone towards food and stuff is going to go towards my investments or go towards my savings or any of those big, huge goals, getting out of debt, that to other people might seem restrictive. Like, oh man, like I have to only do 400 and then I feel so restrictive because now I'm not going to be able to spend everything I want. But the millionaire in you, the millionaire flex is that I am going to give myself this amount of money. I know that I have enough to take care of the needs that I'm going after. And I'm going ahead and putting money towards my future, savings, investments, whatever it is. And I know that the me that I am, however many years from now is going to be so thankful for what today self did. So I call that the millionaire flex. And I want I tell people to find those minuscule decisions that you're making that might seem restrictive. They're not. They're creating abundance for you in the future. Instead, reframe your perspective to saying, this is my millionaire flex. Right. What you say or what they might see as restrictive, you could argue is freedom generating. Mm. Yes. That's even better way, right? So better than this idea of abundance because I could go down a big huge role about abundance because everyone loves to talk about abundance as if it's just like you know you being Scrooge McDuck and going down like this huge role of like you know gold coins but that's not abundance, abundance that would hurt that would hurt wouldn't it <laughs> they make it look so fun in the they cartoon do. though that it's just you know such a fun thing but actually what abundance is is taking stock of what's around you and taking doing as much as you possibly can with what's around you and being thankful for that so that when more comes in you're able to be a good steward of that that's where abundance lies so that's the that. short version of it <laughs> Right. When I think about the millionaire flex, I think about the things that your own little flex, I feel like sometimes it can be individual to you. The things that you can do that maybe other people can't do because Mm. they don't have that same advantage. Legit. So for us, well, I'm going to just name some millionaire flexes, some some flexes you might have. um, Mm -hmm. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the flexes that we've had throughout the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for you maybe your flex, your little advantage that you have to build wealth is maybe you don't have children yet, mm-hmm. yet, or you don't have children at all, right? That is a flex. That is a flex. we have children and the amount of money that we spend on children versus when we didn't have children is exponentially more. <laughs> it's stark. You know, it's a stark <laughs> difference. So if you don't have children, you have a huge opportunity, mm-hmm. a huge advantage to build wealth, right? You have time. You have time on your side when you don't have kids. And I'm thankful that we took our time. I know you're going to talk about that later, but we took our time like very wisely. Right. So we won't dive too deep on these. I'm just going to kind of name yeah, yeah, some yeah. of the ones that I've listed. I, I know talk. this, I won't talk. I won't this talk. podcast, this p- specific episode, 
like it has a chance to really yeah. just go off. Part one, part two, part five. We, yeah. I mean, when you talk about building wealth, like you really start to get us excited yeah, yeah, and like yeah. things mm-hmm. you can do because mm-hmm. there's no one way to do it, but there's so many ways to do there's it. There's so many. I'm excited. All right. Okay. So another. I'm reading your notes. <laughs> so maybe another. Hey, I listen. Kim has no notes. I have no notes. But I have pages. Yeah. Maybe you have a dual income, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you're not single. And let me say that. I know I said, let's not go off on this, but this podcast the affluent marriage. Yes, we are speaking to power couples. We're speaking to those couples who are crazy like us and are trying to build crazy wealth. But if you're single or, you know, whatever your status is, can you get wisdom from this show? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Get yourself together before you find your spouse, right? Find a spouse who is doing these things. Right. It's like a blueprint for you. You're welcome. So if you have a dual <laughs> income, that is a millionaire flex. Not 100%. everybody has that. And you can use that to your advantage. You can live off one income if you can, yep. and save the other. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe you don't have a ceiling on your income. Yes. Right. Do I have a ceiling on my income? Yes, I'm an educator. Do you have a ceiling on your income? No. No. I'm an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's. I love it because I say these, and I can tell you, just like you want to just start talking. I do. Like, I do. Really I'm restrict. I am restraining myself so this badly. Is really, your freedom generating. You know, your mm-hmm. responses for later. Yep. Um, <laughs> maybe you have roommates. Maybe yeah. you live at home, right? That is a flex. Some of you might think, oh, I live at home with my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I have roommates. I really wish I lived by myself because they're the worst. You have to notice and realize and be conscious and aware of what your advantage is in that moment, right? Your rent is significantly less or not at all if you live at home, maybe, unless your right. parents charge you. Some people, you know, teach their own. But that's your advantage. Right. Uh, so all that to say, whether you know it or not, you have a flex, the most important thing is figuring out what your flex is and flexing it. Did you Are read you flexing that? Flexing it, I did. Are did you, you read that? I saw it? you like flex with me, and I was like, "Whoa, she's reading my notes." Are you flexing it? Do you Are know? you flexing your millionaire flex mm-hmm. muscles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that takes some perspective, mindset shifts, shifting, right, for you to be like, you know what, like this is actually something that I can be, I can actually use to my advantage. I have unlimited amount of time right now because I don't have kids. Dude, I'm so envious. <laughs> right. Like we're sitting here at, oh, is it 9.30 at night? <laughs> this is when we have time to film. This is our flex. <laughs> right. Um, so what I want to go into now is to kind of just take people quickly or not quickly down our road of our flexes over time and maybe mm-hmm. how they've changed over time. But starting from, you know, the start of our marriage, what were some of the flexes that you can remember that we had that you can name some, I can name some and how we use those to our advantage. Okay. So, uh, the first flex is that like when we first, I guess, got on our understanding of like money is that we had infinite time. So it was just him and I, and, we didn't have anything holding us back. So when it came time to find extra jobs to bring an extra income to pay off the debt, the $76,000, just in case you didn't listen to the other two episodes, (laughs) uh, or I guess whatever, $76,000 is what we had to pay off. And what Um, was that in? Student loans. And whose were they? Yours. Yes. You were about to point at me. That was not my debt. They were ours because once you become You know what though? I really did take it on as my own. Like I was like, okay, you you are my partner and I'm going to do this with you. Like I'm going to run the race with you. So I mean, anyway, so it was my debt too. I guess I could say that. But anyway, um, we had so many jobs 
And there were times where we were ships passing in the night where I was like, what's up, babe? What's up, babe? But we knew what we were hustling for. We knew what we were working for. So it wasn't like, you're always gone and you're never with me. It was just, no, but we are going for a goal here. You're with me. You're with me. Let's go do it. You know what I mean? So I feel like that was a flex at that time. Absolutely. And you mentioned jobs, like just the things that we were doing. We were both private school teachers. Yeah. Um, you know, full transparency. I was making 28K. She was making 28K a year. So combined 56,000. Oh, and that was a year. How did we do that? I don't know. I don't know. It was 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so inflation's not what it was today. But I mean, that's also it was only 10 years ago. But even our, our apartment, like this is going down a whole nother like rabbit hole. Like our parents co-signed for us because we didn't have any credit. <laughs> Like uh, I we, didn't have a job at that we point. Didn't have, you didn't have a job. I didn't have a girl. like, ma'am, you can't afford this. And so our parents co-signed for us, which is like, I mean, in a lot of, you have to know your kid if thank you're you going to do that. Yeah, thank you, moms. Because um, uh, his mom and my mom co-signed for us. <laughs> we weren't married yet. So it was like a, I don't know. I feel like that rent was not cheap at all, but I was like so in love with the place and it was in a safer neighborhood um, that we just went for it. But regardless, like we were living, in fact, here was another flex. Okay. So, cause I know you probably have some on your end. We moved to a smaller space. So after that big, that's actually the biggest place we've ever lived in, including what we have right now. <laughs> um, the place that we lived in was higher in rent. I said, I had to have it when we actually recognized our money and where it needed to be. We were like, you know what, if we move to someplace smaller, we can save even more money and get out of this debt even faster. So we moved to a tiny 500 something square foot apartment it was one bed one bath it was tiny but we loved that place i loved that place loved it so one of the flexes that we had was we didn't have children yet so we could do that right we could recognize Mm -hmm. where we were living and we're like you know what we could downsize and we Mm -hmm. also worked a ton of jobs we did so some of the jobs that i know i worked so i was an educator that was my main gig um some of my side hustles i did catering on the side and help Mm -hmm. me out if i forget one i did um pizza hut one summer i delivered pizzas I helped out at my local church and I cleaned out vans and cleaned areas. I did renovations for the church. We worked at a summer camp and yeah. we were camp counselors. We did tutoring. I remember we would get off work and we would drive across town and tutor different students different days. Yep. Um, dog sitting. We did a lot sitting, of dog sitting. Kids sitting. Um, Sometimes, yes, kids sitting. <laughs> I was house sitting at one point um, to watch different people when they were going on vacations. We did... Um, I mean, random things here and there. So a lot of times, like if you, we were very active in our church. So if they ever needed something for a one-off thing, hey, can you watch kids for this, you know, hour? Can you watch the security cameras while this wedding is going on? Yup, I would do anything that was additional that was just giving us an additional amount of cash. Didn't care if it was 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or more than that. I would do it. It didn't matter what the job was. You just reminded me, you know what else that I did? What? Clowning. You sure did. (laughs) I would put on that makeup. You sure did. I would tie up some balloon animals. I would yeah. act a silly and run games. That's for like a flex, right? Reunions. Because that is something that that is a skill that a you've learned. Yeah, like tying balloons is not something. <laughs> Man, I don't know if that was a compliment. Like, hey, babe, I'm a six-figure business owner, and you know how to tie balloons. Ah, oh, you are just such a phenomenal. I married up, babe. I married a balloon tire. I didn't mean it like that. Okay. I'm just. I'm just saying like, like you used a skill that you had, you did in high school. No, I did. And you made it something that was cash flowing. That's a flex. flex. That was my flex. (laughs) That's a flex. So needless to say, there was no stone unturned. If there was an opportunity for me to make money somewhere, for us to make money somewhere, we would do it. There was nothing that we were 
too there was nothing too we're new, low we're never for too us proud. never too proud even still like if i needed an extra hundred bucks i'm not too proud to be like okay i'll, I'll go pull a shift here or there or whatever you need me to babysit or whatever i'll do it like i'm not too proud for that i'm not right. too proud to beg so <laughs> we reduced the size of our space we worked a ton of jobs so when we decided that we wanted to buy our own place, what did we do? Oh my goodness. Okay. So we, um, and this is something I would not recommend if you don't have a good relationship with your parents, first of all. Um, so my dad and my mom are both very, um, they don't want us coming back to the house. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um, my dad especially is like, you guys are independent. You guys are married. Get out of my house, right? In the most loving way possible. Um, but we knew that we really wanted to, if we stayed in my parents' house for a year. In fact, it was um, Brett and Aaron Alt who actually put us onto this idea because they did it. Man, you gave them a little shout out I on did. the podcast. I did. I did. I'm going to let them know they're in here. Um, but they did it for their house that they bought or whatever. And I was like, ooh, if we did that for a year and we stayed at my, pam- my family's house, what could we do? This is the best time to do it. We don't have kids. I don't think we were in grad school yet. Um, we just had a puppy. That was it. We were just getting, we just got out of debt. So we proved we had proven that we were responsible with our money. We had proven that we were serious about what our goals were. I signed a contract that we would be out in a year. That was my that was my contract with my dad. I will be out in a year. And we moved into the upstairs like level. And we stayed there for a year. And ten months. It was. We tried to get out as fast as we could. But we worked. We still did the same amount of jobs, even though we were out of debt. And our whole focus was saving for a down payment and putting money into our emergency fund. That's it. And I remember your father is a, you know, he has a master's degree in business. So we made sure that when we came to have this discussion, we had a we had entire logistics. like mm-hmm. portfolio put together about here's the data, here's what we're trying to accomplish. If we save X amount of dollars over 10 months and da 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 da, like we had a this plan. is where we'll be. Like we had a plan and he saw that and I think he respected yeah. that we had a plan and it wasn't just like, Hey, father-in-law, can I just stick around in your place for a little bit? Like Mm -hmm. he needed to know, like you have a move out date. Mm -hmm. That was very important. Like this contract, like it would become void. Like your lease ended at a certain point. Yeah. And I respected that because I didn't want to be there. (laughs) I love my parents, but I don't want to be there. Like that's not, that's. Oh, there's a freedom in being able to walk around in your own underwear in your house. Sure that sure i think <laughs> there's freedom in that there is freedom in that but anyway so those are some flexes did you have any more there's so many there's more so- hey this is kim graham from the affluent marriage podcast we hope you're enjoying what you're listening to so far but if you're thinking to yourself man i wish i knew more about what's going on in kim and dan's world i want to ask some specific questions and be able to get extra resources well you might want to think about joining the graham fam Now, I know I love exclusive content and I love having more of Kim in my life. And if that's something you're interested in, you can be a subscriber and you can get exclusive episodes that no one else is going to hear that's going to help you build generational wealth and have more authentic two-way communication. Links are down in the show description. You'll be able to click and see more information about GramFam and we hope to see you behind the scenes. Have a great one and let's get back to the show. Let's get into Rachel, right? Let's talk about what Rachel would do to build wealth. So I'm going to talk a little bit about who she is and some of the things that she's doing and how she's generating wealth. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after we talk about each one, we can kind of talk about our thoughts okay. about that. All right. Yeah. So real quick, uh, Rachel Rogers, if you're not familiar, she is a lawyer, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, an author who teaches people how to build and grow their businesses. 
So some of the strategies that she uses to build wealth are number one, invest in yourself. Sounds counterintuitive. Mm. Hmm. Rachel suggests investing in your education, your skills, and your personal development. This can include attending conferences, hiring a coach or mentor, hiring a coach or mentor, <laughs> hiring a coach or mentor, <laughs> or taking courses to improve your life skills. So Kim, how have you, mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on anything yeah, there. Yeah. How have you personally <laughs> invested in yourself to yeah. better your business? Yeah. So he said that three times because I've hired um, a lot of coaches. I shouldn't say that. I've hired two coaches. I've hired two coaches in my Many time times. frame, but I've hired them several times. Why? Because when you have someone that's next to you, that's running the race, that is you know, 10 steps ahead of you in terms of like, this is where I would like to be. This is where I desire to be. I like the way you're running your business. Can I be your apprentice? Can I just learn under you? Can I just, can I ask you questions? And I thrive my learning. That's my learning style. I thrive in having someone who's able to give me really good wisdom. And it's not that books are bad. Books are great, but they are not catered to me. They don't know me. I don't know that, (laughs) you know what I mean? I don't know the art, I don't know the author. So when I'm able to work with a coach, they're able to sit with me and they're able to understand everything that's going on in my mind and they become like a very good like guiding post for me. And so, yeah, so I've invested, I think in 20, what year are we in? 2022 to 2023, I invested almost 30 grand in my own learning. Um, And before that, I invested roughly about 10 grand into another coach as well. Um, And it was 110 million percent worth it because I would not have made the shifts that I made in my business without their guidance because I had no clue how to start a business. Not even close. Right. You first started a business in I just, I'll never forget the numbers and what your offers were. And you were so excited that if you mm-hmm. had, you know, you had it written out on your, your mirror, always or your whiteboard, <laughs> always have a plan. Like I just need this many clientele at this dollars and then this will be my income. And it was a really cute number It was a cute if number. you wanted to know. Yeah. And then you worked with your first coach and your pricing, I mean, it really it's reflected your value yes. for the marketplace. Right. Yeah. But I, I think at first you had a hard time accepting Mm -hmm. that number because you're like, wow, is this my My value? value. You kind of had like a conflict with yourself, but yes, it is your value. And Mm -hmm. here we are, you know, three years later and I feel like you've really come into that, that Mm -hmm. value. You know what you offer. You've seen the results. You've seen the lives you've touched and changed and people are like, they still walk away and they say, man, like, can't believe I can't believe I only (laughs) paid this amount. And you did all of this for me for the rest of my life. Yeah, because what we're teaching in my programs is not just, oh, it's just basic. Like when they understand how to manage and organize their finances and their business and in their home and they're able to connect with their spouse and actually talk and have conversations and pay off debt and save, these are things that they can be uh, rinsed and repeated over and over and over and over again. And they can invest and they're not going to, they're less likely to reach into their investments because they have all the resources. They know how to manage their money beforehand. So like it changes their trajectory of their life. And that's not, I used to be like, oh no, it's not really that. But when I actually saw the impact, it's changing people's lives. So yes, the value is like, there. (laughs) Um, But it took me some time, which is why, again, a coach was so important to me because they were drawing that out of me this whole time. Right. And my husband. (laughs) Of course, always. So 
and you know, for someone who has a ceiling on their income like myself, mm -hmm. right? Something that I could do to improve my income and improve my prowess was to get my master's degree. And we both did that together mm -hmm. through McDaniel University and we got our master's McDaniel in McDaniel College. Well, McDaniel College. It we sounded wanted better it to be I a said, university. I yeah, know. It sounded better when I said university. <laughs> it did. But people would go online and be like, Where the heck where is, is McDaniel that? University? It's in, it's in Maryland. But we <laughs> It's in outer we space. got our <laughs> master's in curriculum and education instruction. Yep. Whatever, we got a master's. We got a master's. With a focus in leadership, Kim actually pursued that leadership. I, I did. did not. Uh, uh, yeah. That's a different story. Different story. But doing that helped me raise my income mm -hmm. on something that had a ceiling. So now it's a little bit higher. Yeah. So it's important yeah. to invest no in yourself, what. whether you have a ceiling on your income or if you don't. Right. It's important. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I also love just a little you know tie into the last episode if you didn't listen in. Um, this is literally what we talked about at the end of episode mm -hmm. one. We talked about what your greatest asset is to building wealth. And if you didn't listen in, it's your mind. Your greatest asset is your mind. It's also yeah. your greatest detriment. It because is. if you're not building your mind, then you are crippling yourself. Correct. And your ability to build generational wealth. Because, I mean, think about if you never invested in a coach. Mm you would still be mm -hmm. at those same offers that you were three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I, you, it's not, I don't know. I know where mm -hmm. you would be and it would not be mm -mm. the person, no. the businesswoman that you are now. No, right? No, you have to invest in yourself. You have to. It's invest not negotiable. In yourself. Yes. There are a few things we're, I'd like to consider us a, a very conversational podcast. And there's a few things that are, you mm -hmm. know, not up for debate like Cinderella. This is not up for debate. You have <laughs> to invest in yourself. Agreed. And not just invest, like I think the thing that was really important, like you just mentioned, is your mind. Your mind can play some serious tricks on you. And that was my issue. My issue was self-doubt. My issue was, my, I don't know my own value. And it didn't matter. This is the thing that I also often see is that my spouse, like my husband, saw the value, right? He saw the value in me and said it over and over again. Kim, you're going to be so successful. Wow, wow. <laughs> I saw the value, girl. <laughs> <laughs> that was my value that was sound. the value sound yes okay got it <laughs> he saw the value he knew that it was that i had the ability to be successful i didn't see it and no matter what he told me i'd be like you have to say that you're my husband right but when you're paying someone <laughs> and they are telling you like kim get out of your own head like why right. are you paying me you know multiple figures I'm telling you that I that you, this is what you need to do and you need to see it. I'm I'm going to push you past your limit and that's what I needed. Yes, and they helped you shatter that imposter syndrome. Correct. Yeah. That doesn't plague you anywhere near no. what it used to. Mm -mm. Okay. So her first advice is to invest in your business or invest mm -hmm. in yourself. The second thing that she recommends for building wealth is starting a business. Yes. Rachel believes that starting a business is one of the best ways to build wealth by creating a product or service that solves a problem. You can create a sustainable mm. income stream. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. I, and I think Rachel really pushes this because like I said, I have a ceiling on my income. I mm -hmm. can only earn so much, right? But if you really want to build wealth, mm -hmm. creating your own business is the way to go because you, 
you have no ceiling. Yeah. Can I can I interject something that's yes. really important? Can I open this can of seltzer because I am. This parched. is something that he does all the time. So just get used to this. I love seltzer. Water. He loves seltzer waters, and he also loves the way that they sound when they open up. So there's just something about it. Like, can I? Yes. Can I crack this go open? Ahead, go ahead. And if we have to edit it, we have to edit it. Yeah. Affluence. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> wow, that was refreshing. I can't wait to take a sip of this. <laughs> was it really good? Wow. Did it taste did I, it, did I, it taste wealthy? I tasted wealth. You I tasted felt wealth. like I'm building wealth right now. Right right now. Yeah. I mean I mean Aldi might sponsor us. Mm. Just because of that. Maybe. And that literally builds wealth. Wow. <laughs> so I have an interjection about this like building a stream of income. Okay. So we there's lots of statistics that say how many streams of income you should have in order to build to like that multi-million dollar status or whatever it is, right? A millionaire has, I don't know, it's like what, six streams of income or something like that. The one thing that is overlooked by that little quip is that they are sustainable, okay? Meaning that there is routine, there is understanding of how they work. We're not just throwing random streams out there and hoping that they all work. So if you start with your actual income, you start with what you actually are bringing in. So if you're working that nine to five and you're hearing this and you're going, oh, I need to start a business, stop. Before you do that, understand how to manage your nine to five income, understand how to like really stretch that as much as you possibly can, get that under control first. And then when you start uh, these other streams of income, you know, starting a business, or if you decide to get an extra job or whatever, then you're going to actually, you're more likely to manage that so much better effectively and stretch that dollar even more and thus actually being able to to invest more as the, the statistic would state. And so when you're building or starting a business, it's not just like, oh, I'm starting a little like side gig and yeah, I'll do it whenever I want to do it. Like you got to treat it like a business. You have to show up, you have to have hours. And there's a lot of front hours that go out. <laughs> like there is no, there's nothing that is a, a passive income that's just passive. There's always an activity part to it, an active part to it before it becomes passive. So that's my, that's my like PSA to everybody. No, I love that. Okay. I love that. No, because (laughs) it's a beautiful thing when your money starts to work for you Mm -hmm. because when money works for you, right, you can only work so many hours a day, Mm -hmm. but when your money's working for you, it is working 24 seven. Money doesn't get a lunch break. Nope. Money doesn't get sick days. It doesn't get any time off. Money works. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. But if you don't let your money know what to do, then it will, it will find a way to leave. It will sayonara. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Goodbye. So I always say like, you know, manage your money. Don't let it manage you. So you have to manage what you currently have before you start building all these additional streams. Be ready to work. Absolutely. So I'm going to piggyback off what you said about keeping your main job, right? You need to work your nine to five. If anything, I'm about to be an example of this. I'm still working my main job. Mm -hmm. I have not quit. I am still an educator. I'm still teaching, but I'm trying to start this as a business. I love that you say that so often. You know why? Why? Because there's someone out there that's going to be watching or listening and they're watching your origin story. And they're going to want out of education? No, but they're watching your origin story and that you said it from the very beginning. This is my dream. This is my dream. I am going to be out of the classroom, right? Like that is, I feel like that's really inspiring for someone to see that from the beginning go 
I agree. Where no. So ends, you know? here's where I'm going with this. I'm going to kind of break down what you need to do to start your own little side hustle. Okay. Um, here's things to consider. Number one, you need to understand what your flex is. What are your advantages? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? Right. Don't do something that you're not passionate about. No. Right. You'll lose. You'll burn out. So what I want you to do is make a list of your skills, make a list of your passions. Mm -hmm. If I were to make a list of my skills, my passions, things that I'm good at for me, I'm pretty good at speaking. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at talking, right? I did theater in high school. I did theater in college, public speaking. These are things that I do Mm -hmm. well, right? This is not time. When you make this list, this is not time to be humble. Mm Mm-hmm. This, this is, is your, your bragging moment. This is your building wealth brand. Yeah. Right. This is your moment to brag. So you need to promote yourself. This is what I do well. Mm-hmm. So on my list, I do speaking well. I do talking well. I do money well. Mm-hmm. And I know my wife does too. So on my list, that's something that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Right. And speaking also goes with education. Right. I've right. literally been a leader in my classroom for 15 years. So I know how to lead. Mm-hmm. So these are things that. I'm passionate about things that I'm good at. There's other things, but this is just what I wanted to focus on for my list. And it's your passion. There's so many other things within what you just said, like especially if you're a teacher or educator, that other people will say, well, you're a teacher, so that means you love blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean you love all the things that teaching comes with or that your profession comes with, but there are certain parts that you absolutely adore, could do without anyone, like you could just do it. Like you're just like, yes, I love doing this, right? That's what you focus on. And I think for like our parents' generation, they're all about staying in a job yeah. for your whole life. And I was passionate about education 15 years ago, but since the pandemic hit, oh, something yeah, has true. shifted for yeah. me, right? So it's not my passion anymore. And I think this is my, I know this is my passion. So that's yeah. what I'm pursuing. So make that list. Next, you need to research income generating, generating jobs in that field, mm-hmm. right? If you're passionate about writing, and you're doing your research, maybe you're gonna see that you could be a content creator mm-hmm. or you could be anything that editor. has to do with writing. You can be an editor, right? So you, there's things that you can do digitally. There's things you can do in a brick and mortar. There's things you can do with writing, with singing, yeah. with digital design, right? Yeah. Where there's someone can things. hire you to create something for their podcast or for whatever they're doing. So you need to do some research. Yep. Find out who needs me Yeah. for this flex that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, something else to consider uh, if you're trying to build wealth and income in a job. Um, oh, actually, this is for something else. This is talking about something else. So I'm going to skip that. Mm, okay. Right. So I want you to do those two things. Okay. Focus on making a list mm-hmm. and then thinking about jobs in that field and then just going after it and promoting yourself. For sure. Right. Don't, don't be humble. All right. So number three. Diversify your income streams. Rachel recommends having multiple income streams to protect yourself from economic downturns Mm -hmm. or other unexpected events. This can include a combination of active and passive income streams. So (laughs) we kind of already talked about this. You know, what are some of the ways that we made money? If you just want to remind people real quick, what are some things that we did to avoid, you know, our downturn? So I'm trying to think if there's any like specific downturn that we had. Um, I don't know, you might, you might have someone off the top of your head because he makes all the notes and he just says, Kim, I just want you to just talk. Um, but I feel like there are some times, like for example, 
when we created our emergency fund, I'll say this, there right? It is. Okay, that's what you're asking for. Okay, when we created our emergency fund, that is what, um, I mean, you might have heard it from Dave Ramsey, but I mean, I feel like every financial guru will say this. You want at least three to six months of expenses. I can't tell you how many times I t- have people say, wait, but I spend like $4,000 a month and it includes me going out and getting blowouts every week and blah, 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 blah. Like that's not what we're talking. We're talking the stuff that you absolutely need to keep your house running. That's the most important. That times three or times six. So we had an, a very, very big intact emergency fund. And uh, we also have a, like other funds that are for different things like going out to eats, entertainment, vacations, the girls' uh, tuition, uh, cars, auto you know repairs. So we have a lot of cash just sitting. Um, that's just for stuff that emergencies or things that are just going to happen, routine things. Um, so like last year, I'll be very transparent, was a was a rough year for me, um, even in the midst of investing so much into my coach. Um, I had a really hard mental perspective on my business. And I, I it took me a minute to bounce back like 10 months. <laughs> no, maybe like nine, but <laughs> which is like the same thing. But regardless, it was a really, really rough year. I'm so thankful that my coach was there to kind of guide me through that. And it was worth the investment 100%. But I was not bringing in as much income as I normally would have. Um, And it was taking me longer to get ideal clients. And it was just, I was just having a hard time with my headspace. So in that headspace, I was able to give myself like room to breathe because I was feeling guilty because I wasn't bringing in income as I normally would to my family, to my household. And but over in my household side of things, it was taken care of. We had an emergency fund that could take care of things that you know were, were missing. My income was not missed. Um, I was able to bring in just a little bit and it was fine. He was able to be like, I encourage you to just focus on what you need to focus on in your business. We all, everything is going as normal here. There's nothing that you need to freak out about. And that is such a, um, where you're able to actually breathe. And that's the thing that people that's what we really want. Everyone, I think anyone listening to it, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, can agree that what we want is choice in our finances. We want choice to be able to say, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do this. And you have to build up again, that that flex, all that work we did <laughs> eight years ago, built up to this moment where we were able to say, ooh, this year was not as good as our previous years, but we have space to breathe. And that was, I mean- over and over and over again, that was such a beautiful thing. So no, I agree. Yeah, I, when I think about the emergency fund, it, it takes me back just to to last year. I mean, we had like two months from hello. You know, <laughs> it was wild. We had our refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's working, true. Right? Yeah, yeah. We had our dryer. The uh, belt snapped mm-hmm. on the dryer. We had to fix that, and then you watched them fix it, and you were like, "Babe, we could have done that." Yeah, and then it did. broke again, and we did it. We fixed it. You broke it again. And, but we took it apart and we actually fixed it ourselves that time. It's all good. Um, But that happened. We had the differential in our car Mm -hmm. break and I know I'm forgetting something, but it was like, there was like this month or two where it was just anything that could go bad would go bad. Um, So that was rough. Um, But having that emergency fund really protected us from all of that. Um, And when I think about diversifying our income streams, right, we have like our main gig, but as long as you have mm-hmm. other ways also generate, it's like one, one thing, like you said, your business didn't have the greatest nine months. We had other income mm-hmm. that helps supported, yeah. you know, that financial hardship during that time. And we still invested. 
like that didn't stop. Like, I think a lot of people will stop doing that. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, I have to dip into my emergency fund, which is my investments, my 401k. You know, we don't, we want to keep as many like guardrails away from building our like generational nest egg as possible. as possible. So that was still able to happen. And that was, again, like when you count all the blessings, like, okay, we still were able to do this. We're still able to do this. Okay. This is not as bad as I think it is. I'm just not operating at my normal, like 110%. And I just have to give myself the space to heal in whatever capacity that I need to heal mentally. Um, and then, yeah, when all of those things happen, it was seemed like back to back to back to back to back. That's normally when people are like, oh, this is over. I can't do it. The world is ending. And I'm like, no, we were able to handle it all with ease and just be like, yeah, this sucks, but it's all good. Let's just keep on going, you know? So, yeah. And that concludes our first part of this episode. I know it was so good. You never wanted it to end, right? I know. But we have to move on to a part two. So make sure you go to the next episode so you can hear even more amazing tips about building wealth so you can learn how to live in love and walk in wealth. This is Kimberly Graham, your co-host of the Affluent Marriage Podcast. Can't wait to see you in the next one.